Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> what is up, everybody? It is your old pal Froth here. Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for listening. And we are back again to Wednesday, so that means it's time for a little hump day blogorama action. Weekly show where I take you on a stroll around the old RPG blogosphere. I talk for far too long about stuff that I spotted, and then I put up all the links for you over at the Thought Eater blog. You can just Google Thought Eater blog or go to frothsofdnd.blogspot.com. Com, com. Kitty's here. Doggy's here. The gang's all here. Huge show. Gigantic show, as always. But first, I got some call-ins. First, we're going to hear from Joe Richter from Wheel or Woe and the Hindsightless podcast. And uh, last week, I was talking a little bit about the new setting announced for 5e. It's another like Magic the Gathering spinoff. And I was talking about how I wanted Spelljammer so bad. Let's see what Joe had to say. Yo, what up, Froth? It's Joe calling in about the new D&D setting. Uh, man... Kind of, of course, it's another Magic the Gathering setting. I've been saying since that Ravnica book came out that I have a sneaking suspicion 6th edition D&D is going to incorporate a lot of Magic the Gathering. Hasbro and Watsy know where their bread is buttered. Most of their money comes from Magic, and so they're going to market to that crowd. If they could get all those people that play Magic to play D&D... Uh, they'd make, you know, they'd make a bundle. And that's that's really what they care about is where they can make the most money. I don't think we'll ever see uh, Spelljammer. That, like, that wasn't even super popular when it came out. But anyway, man, that's just my two cents. Peace out. You really know how to hurt a guy, don't you, Joe? Dang. We're never going to see Spelljammer? Say it ain't so, Joe. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously they're in this business to make money. So I still want Spelljammer though. I really, really do. So I got some more call-ins about the final topic, including one from Joe. Final topic last week was talking about campaign Bibles, your own kind of hodgepodge thrown together. Only you can understand them notes charts and whatnot, uh, tables, favorite books, whatever, your campaign Bible that you use to play games. And I got several call-ins from this. Let's listen. Hey, Jeremy. How you doing? It's Noah Stevens of the Hapless Henchman. I think this is the first time I've used Anchor to reach out to a uh, an Anchorite, but... Uh, I just want to say thanks for all your hard work and uh, keep doing the job you're doing. I was going to submit a bunch of uh, pictures of my uh, campaign Bible uh, referencing uh, referencing an episode of a couple minutes ago. It's got it's got some maps, hand-drawn maps, a bunch of DCC carousing tables, um, a bunch of NPC parties that I whipped up uh, randomly, um, a, a copy of the random item list from Macchiato Monsters, which I thought was hilarious and a lot of fun. And a couple other things that I, I can't remember, uh, mainly some uh, random, you know, th- what's in his pockets type stuff. So anyway, uh, 
keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you're great, and I love it. Peace. All right, so that's Noah Stevens there. Good to hear from you, Noah. Noah from the Hapless Henchman blog that has come up several times. And also, I noticed recently launched a podcast here on Anchor, Hapless Henchman Podcast. Kitty, say, say hello. There she goes. <laughs> uh, recently launched a podcast, so I've got links up, uh, a link up to, to Noah's podcast under the intro tab. And I, Thank you very much. I'm glad you're, you're listening and enjoying it. And, uh, you know, you made reference, you might send me pictures, but, you know, I, I, gotta, I had to go ahead and start um, recording this uh, so it can come out Wednesday morning. Uh, but if I if I see those pictures, I will put them up for next week's. But uh, sounds like a good mix you got going there. A bunch of random tables and hand drawn maps. I'd love to see those. I love seeing people's um, hand drawn artifacts. You know that are actually used for gaming. You know a lot of the maps I put up are you know amazing works of art. But uh, I, I have a real love for that. Those just kind of sketched out or you know very personal uh, campaign maps too. So. Great to hear from you, Noah. Let's hear what uh, what Joe Richter had to say about the whole campaign Bible thing. Hey, Froth, it's Joe. And perfect timing for your question on campaign Bibles because I'm sort of in between two right now. So I have my current one for my Wheeler Woe campaign. And, you know, we're 12 levels into that. And it's just a collection of Word documents scattered all over my computer. I don't even know where half of them are anymore. Uh, but luckily... Uh, I have the podcast to listen to. And so those notes, like you mentioned, the session recaps, like those really, really, really help. But I'm also starting a new, building a new campaign, a new world and stuff. And so I just started a new campaign Bible, which funnily enough, I always start by building out the Pantheon. So I've done that. I've, um, you know, I've, I've already had a map commissioned, and I've started putting together the um, the village or town or whatever that the game's going to start in. So yeah, I got a rumor table and some notable NPCs and locations for them to check out once the game kicks off. And that's how I'm putting together this campaign Bible. I'm kind of starting small and we'll expand out from there because, you know, my last game, I started with such a big overarching like world and everything like a whole world with multiple continents and kingdoms and all this stuff. I want to start this game off smaller and more focused, but that's me, man. And, uh, I really loved hearing about yours and it's a shame you don't have time to put out your session recaps anymore because I really enjoyed those and I hope your games are going good. I hope the East Texas university games going good. Anyway, peace out. It's Joe Richter again. Thanks for sharing all that, Joe. You touched on a couple of things I thought were um, were interesting. Again, yeah, the uh, leaving yourself voice notes. You don't have to podcast, but you know, just leave leaving yourself. You know, if you don't feel like writing this stuff all out during a session, if if you just take like five or ten minutes right after a session and and leave yourself a voice a voice message or something, anything like that. Hearing it in your own words, it's a great way to review uh, between sessions. And as far as my session recap podcast, yeah, I miss doing them. Part of the reason I miss doing them is because I didn't have to do, <laughs> I didn't have to 
<clears throat> put a million links together and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I just, uh, you know, there's only so much time of the week and I really wanted to do something with the zines, but, um, campaigns are going pretty good. They're about to become juniors in the, uh, Froth University game. So hopefully we can kind of, sp I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the itch to get back to the, the D and D, you know, that's, that's the funny thing about it. You know, you can burn yourself out on it and you want to take a break, but then D and D keeps calling, you know, after a couple of weeks, D and D starts calling you, you know? start missing it. Um, but anyway, um, the other thing, oh yeah, as far as, uh, see, I tried to start a campaign once where I'd created all this stuff, all this stuff, and almost none of it got used. And I've talked before about it, about prep and, you know, the way I approach it. I think for a lot of people, it doesn't matter. It never gets used because they love the world building and love the prep. Uh, for me, it was more like, I want to do the least amount possible. <laughs> and I know that's going to make me sound lazy. And uh, it's not that I'm not committed to it and everything. I just, uh, I, I like to, you know, for one thing, I like to improvise a lot. And for another thing, I just find out that I, I just don't have the time that I used to. I just don't. I really don't. I mean, it's all I can do to put this stuff together. So, um, starting small and, and that kind of thing is, is advice that I, that I try to give out to people. Um, you know, unless you want to get into all the, you know, multiple continents and the Pantheon and all that, you know, for a lot of people, that's a joy. So everybody's different. Everybody's different, but anyway, very good to hear from you and good luck on that new campaign. Uh, finally, I got a message from James V. West, the Doomslakers blog and Black Pudding Zine. I think this was in reference to the the campaign Bible, so let's listen. Hey, Froth, this is J.V. West. Regarding your last episode, you can't just say that you disagree with something on a blog and then not tell us what it is. We need to know. Take care. James V. West there, the keen-eared James V. West caught me mention, I think this is what it, James is making reference to, I I said that I agreed, you know, all the campaign Bible was, was triggered by this article over at theangrygm.com, and uh, again, all these links and stuff that we're talking about are on last week's show, but um, I mentioned I agreed with almost everything they said, but, but disagreed with a little bit and I didn't go, you know, James is right. I didn't go into detail with what I disagreed with. The main thing I disagreed with is the angry GM said specifically not to keep your campaign Bible organized. And I don't even mean like slop sloppily organized that they were kind of advocating for like next to no organization at all. Right. And looking back at my old campaign Bibles and stuff, I wish that I had had a, just not a lot, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, um, being one of these people that keeps, uh, you know, that does journaling or something, you know, that keeps everything perfect. Um, not a lot of organization, but I wish I had had a little bit more, just a little bit more. And, uh, and so that's why, you know, I put up those uh, couple of tools, you know, one for players, one for GMs where, you know, it, it, at least, uh, you know, it's still going to be sloppy. It's still going to be yours. It's still going to be personal. It's still not going to be written like a book, but there is some semblance of this goes here, this goes there. 
and that kind of thing. So the main thing I disagreed with them is, is on, uh, you know, deliberately you know almost deliberately not having any organization to it because i found that that was something that i that i wished i had done a little bit better and and i have done it better with my uh what i've done for my um my current savage world games you know i i break apart you know what 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 choices they make when they advance and what they're um, deciding to do as far as extracurricular activities and all these kind of things i'm doing a 1980s uh college horror comedy game so so anyway that's what i just you know it wasn't any any major disagreement but that's what it was all right so with the call lens behind us a couple of other things under the intro tab for one thing i wanted to say happy blog birthday to the thaco rpg blog this is uh ryan marsh's blog and great blog that's come up several times and they just hit their one year anniversary so Happy birthday to the Thacko RPG blog. I also wanted to mention a recent blog that uh, it's not brand new, but it's new to me. Recently launched. This is the RPG Buyer blog, rpgbuyer.com. Really good looking blog. Uh, got a ton of reviews they're doing up here. I see that Mork Borg, you, you know, I see that Mork Borg calling me, um, you know, um, talking about a lot of different products and stuff like that. So a uh, good looking blog, uh, that's doing a lot of reviews and covering a lot of new releases and stuff like that. So I slapped it on my blog roll. Maybe you will too. So check out rpgbuyer.com. And then finally, a little bit of, um, sad news. Uh, I saw this over at the strange vistas blog, strangevistas.org. Uh, they put up a post saying, saying goodbye to some old friends. And they say they were shocked and saddened when they were browsing their blog reading feed to discover two of the bloggers they follow had uh, had passed or, or entered hospice. And uh, so Vampa Fan from Vampa Fan's World of the Undead, um, a miniature wargaming site, as well as uh, all, FET from All Things FET, uh, fairly, they describe it as a fairly obscure blog about wargaming with a particular interest in using toys for that purpose. And they say that they passed and, um, uh, you know, left a child and a wife behind. And it's just a reminder, you know, how, um, you know, with all the talk of, of death and, and uh, dying and sickness and stuff um, in the news right now, it's just, uh, just a reminder to, um, you know, savor every minute of life, you know, uh, and, uh, Spend as much time with your families and as much time doing the things you love as possible. All right, so I'm calling this one there and back again because I saw some Tolkien Lord of the Rings related news this week that I thought was interesting. I might share with you. Uh, I spotted this over at Bat in the Attic, Rob Conley's blog, batintheattic.blogspot.com. We've got a post up called Frodo Lives, and um, they noted that. Free League, publishers of Tales from the Loop, as well as Alien and Coriolis, had signed an agreement with Sophisticated Games, the license holder for The One Ring and Adventures in Middle-Earth, and uh, it will allow them to publish material, and it looks like uh, I've also got a link up to the, the press release from Free League, uh, and they mentioned doing a new edition of The One Ring, 
I guess, uh, I forget what company was doing the One Ring before, but they had to cancel the second edition. I, I don't know why or how they lost the license or what exactly happened, but uh, looks like that new edition will be coming out via Free League, as well as some more stuff for um, the 5e uh, Middle Earth. What's it called again? Oh yeah, Adventures in Middle Earth. Um, so anyway, some cool stuff. Uh, there have been so many you know, different versions over the years. Um, and, uh, it looks like it'll continue under free, the free league banner. And, you know, they do some really good stuff. And I'll tell you that I'll tell you one thing, the production quality is very high for free league. So that's going to be some good looking material. If you're in to Tolkien's middle earth and then something else I saw that kind of tied into it, <clears throat> Daniel stack, does a lot of great reviews over at the Rolling Boxcars blog, rollingboxcars.com. It's talking about James Bond's Hero's Journey 2nd Edition. Kind of built off the OD&D white box chassis um, and heavily influenced by Tolkien. And so there's a re review of that, the Hero's Journey 2nd Edition, if you want to check that out. So, yeah, my early Tolkien memories, I remember going to the library in elementary school and seeing uh the hobbit and it had like these maps and stuff and the you know the title pages or the whatever the dust jacket and everything and immediately being curious i remember watching the uh the kind of weird rankin bass versions of of some of the stuff like uh return of the king i even had a a, a record soundtrack for the return of the king and i would uh, I don't know why I remember this, but I would play the, there was a section on like a, an orc battle or something. And I'd play it, play that part over and over. Um, and then of course, watching that, uh, uh, Ralph Bakshi, Lord of the Rings, which I thought was great. I thought was great. I wish, uh, um, more of those, you know, got made, but, uh, I really enjoy that. You know what? I haven't seen that in probably 20 plus years. I need to try to, figure out how to see that again but but anyway some stuff uh some stuff of note if you are a tolkien fan the map segment of hump day blogorama is proudly brought to you by frank turfler legendary anchorite of frank t's liner notes i've been back in frank t's patreon for a while high quality full color world-class battle maps sci-fi fantasy and otherwise Innovative print and paste terrain that brings your table to life. Multiple support tiers, including a commercial tier, which will allow you to use Frank T's creations in your own commercial projects. You can sample some of the quality of the work by looking for Frank's Free Map Friday posts. So whether you are a creator that is looking for some cartography for a new project, whether you are a GM gaming online or in person at the table or you're just like froth a map junkie and you can't get enough of this stuff go right now to patreon.com forward slash frank t and check it out all right so thanks as always to legendary anchorite frank turfler for supporting the program and the map segment here and the maps this week are absolutely ridiculous absolutely ridiculous starting with the doc the doctor Dr. Jonathan Newell. I've been talking up their um, Genial Jack um, series that they're working on. I saw Paolo Greco from The Lost Pages 
previewing uh, a little bit about issue two and uh the doc blogs over at the bearded devil blog bearded-devil.com and they put up another one of these amazing maps from their um from their campaign setting a map of the quill coast now doing these podcasts and stuff has its privileges because the doc sent me a high-res version of this to to kind of ponder the and be amazed by and just kind of frankly be alarmed by the doctor's talents i mean these maps are unbelievable so check this stuff out it's got a lot of zoomed in sections and everything this link i put up is is ridiculous y'all it's ridiculous it is ridiculous so check that out over at the bearded devil blog then uh graham davis uh, you might know that name from their work with uh, Warhammer and uh, Fantasy and, and a bunch of other stuff. Graham Davis. GrahamDavis.wordpress.com. Uh, yeah, dot com. Come on, mouth. It's early in the show. Anyway, Graham uh, has been doing this series called Monday Maps. And here they were posting Monday Maps number eight, A Noble Mansion. So this is a real world map with a layout of this mansion floor plan. A couple of different mansions. And these are so good like i immediately just thought call of cthulhu but any kind of horror gothic horror whatever chill any kind of um horror game um or maybe not maybe not even you know just any kind of real world history game even uh these are phenomenal and would be such a great handout for players uh because they they have a you know since they are real floor plans and real images they um you know, they'd just be, I think they'd be special. At least I'd love to see them at a table. Uh, so I immediately saved these and I wanted y'all to see them as well. Now these are kind of dream houses of mine too. This, uh, with spires and, you know, they all have weird nooks and crannies in these, in these houses. And, uh, so I, I just really love the look of these and it's a cool series too. I, I enjoy, uh, Graham Davis's blog quite a bit. So, uh, check that out. And then finally, this one, I don't even know what to tell y'all. It's, uh, this is one I spotted over the February, February, 2020 challenge going on over at the cartographers guild.com. Uh, these folks over there, I mean, it's just dripping and oozing with talent over there. I, I don't even know what to, t I, I run out of adjectives, but Mark Moreau over there put up this one called the fungi mancers retreat. And this is a keyed map where uh where the fungomancer hangs out and it's all kinds of little mushrooms and little mushroom you know, little mushroom town and mushroom cities and um it's i don't even i'm not even going to try to describe this one it's got like mushroom heraldry you just got to go see it you got to look at the blog and, and check it out and then go over and download a version of this so um anyway Great map stuff this week. I don't know what else to say. I got some cool reviews and retrospectives for y'all. And I need to get better about uh, when I make reference to an old podcast, uh, telling y'all the number. So when I was talking about the doctor, Dr. Jonathan Newell's genial Jack stuff, I was just talking about that on Frothcast number 165. So... If you are uh, interested in finding out more about um, the uh, Genial Jack weird, awesome 5e settings set inside and on top of a giant whale named Genial Jack, 
That's over at Frothcast 165 if you want to check that out. And this first review, I'm taking you over to Tribality.com. It's talking about one of my favorite, it's so underrated, but I, I, I get the feeling they're going to explode. You know, years and years ago, I, I did a post about Will Doyle. Um, talking about how Will was so talented, they were bound to, you know, break out at some point. And now Will Doyle's doing, you know, writing for the five eBooks and, and, and you know, tons of stuff. And I, I get the same feeling looking at Greenbird RPG, uh, the Greenbird RPG team. They're just doing these great products for five E. And I was talking about them back on. Five Minute Friday, it was uh, Frothcast 157, if you want to hear me talk a little bit more about Greenbird RPGs. But over at Tribality.com, Bianca Bickford over there is doing a review of one of their new products, Caco Bear. And it's uh, like a cross between a parrot and an owlbear, like a parrot bear. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so anyway... They, they, they really come up with really cool um, monsters and the artwork is really special and stuff. So they gave it a great review. I'm not surprised at all. Hopefully, you know, Tribality, I'm sure, gets a lot more um, hits and views and stuff than, than I do. So hopefully that will continue to put the Greenbird RPG name out there because they're really deserving of some success. So if you go over to the DMs Guild and search for Greenbird RPGs, uh, you'll spot a bunch of that stuff, and then go and uh, uh, if you want to hear some more about them, you can check out uh, Frothcast 157 where I talk about it. Now, I love going over to Wayne's Books, Wayne'sBooks.Games, and you know, first of all, Wayne has a bookshop, you know, with tons of out of print and hard to find RPG stuff. So if you've you know sat around on Amazon, if you've you know tried and, and lost on eBay with an eBay auction and you're just at your wits end trying to find some some rare and out of print stuff go over to Wayne's books and check it out Wayne might have it Wayne's books games anyway Wayne's talking about cyborg commando Gygax's first game after TSR back in 1987 now this game is kind of universally reviled um, not entirely unlike dangerous journeys but uh, uh, did this one with Menser and Kim Mohan uh, under the New Infinities Productions label. But, you know, when I first heard about Cyborg Commando, you know, I thought it was lame too. But now I'm kind of thinking, Cyborg Commando is freaking awesome. Let's just be honest. Sure, I'm, the mechanics are a mess and complicated. Hell, it's probably unplayable. And sure, the the whole idea of, of a, you know a game based on cyborg commandos was only ever going to appeal to to a very small number of of people. <laughs> you know, but it's awesome. Let's be honest with you know. Aren't you glad it exists? I'm glad I live in a world where Cyborg Commando exists. I mean, to go from D&D &D to Cyborg Commando, it's it's a beautiful it's 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 beautifully bizarre. So, anyway, you want to see the ins and outs of the Cyborg Commando box set. You go over to waynesbooks.games 
And if anybody out there has actually played Cyborg Commando, please call in and let us know what that was all about. All right, a retrospective post over at Dumpstat, dumpstatadventures.com. They're doing a deep dive. I love when they do these. They'll do a deep dive into a, into a monster and kind of take it through all the different editions of D&D, how it was presented. And this time they're doing you know, one of the most famous D&D monsters of all time, the Beholder. So, you know, from the cover of the, uh, of the original Greyhawk supplement on down the line, they're breaking down the stats and the presentation and everything else. So kind of a little love letter to the Beholder. Now, what's funny is, uh, when I was getting the image to do, you know, for the, the blog post with this, um, I searched for, you know, OD&D Beholder, but I just did Odd Beholder. You know, I didn't have the, the ampersand in there. And there's a band called Odd Beholder. <laughs> so, I <laughs> thought that was funny. But anyway, check that out. It's over at dumpstatadventures.com. Reviews from Rolier, Cookie UK, is uh, reviewing a book I hadn't heard about, uh, but I imagine a lot of the legendary anchorites would be interested in because uh, a lot of the legendary anchorites and probably some of my listeners are into the black hack and there's this game called golgotha which is a sci-fi role-playing game that uses the black hack for its mechanics uh so anyway looks really cool looks really interesting actually golgotha so if you like the black hack and want to try a different flavor of it uh, that review is over at Pookie UK's excellent review blog, rulierreviews.blogspot.com. Another cool-looking game, this is James T. Hook's blog, Flintlocks and Witchery, flintlocksandwitchery.blogspot.com. They're doing a review of Super Crew. Uh, this is a game designed and presented as a 30-page comic. As you read through the comic book, it takes you through a one-shot character creation, the system, and all of how you you know play the game and everything. So a cool-looking little superhero game called the Super Crew, saving the world every game session. You can check that out at flintlocksandwitchery.blogspot.com. I had to give a little love to the superhero genre. Mo T does the Tabletop Bellhop blog. Now this is a great site, uh, not just for RPGs, but uh, a lot of great stuff on on board gaming. Um, they've got these massive lists of gaming patrons, streamers, YouTubers, podcasts, crafters. Uh, Mo T has um, got got it together over at the Tabletop Bellhop. It's a great site, and uh, I thought this was an awesome posts they did 27 quick easy to learn fun two-player board games not all of us can be blessed with these large gaming groups that can meet frequently and you might just want to game with your significant other and play a you know a two-player game and they've got uh, this broken down like i say 27 quick and easy to learn fun two-player games is also some of these would be great to also just play you know with your kid and um so and it breaks them down into uh um ones that are really easy to learn, ones that could be played under half an hour and, 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 you know, how much time they would take. So I thought this was a great helpful list. It's something I bookmarked and will, um, utilize in the future when I, cause you know, I don't know, there's so many board games. I don't know what's good. I don't know. You know, I don't know anything. So I got to rely on Moti over at the tabletop bellhop. So great post. Check that out. 
Another retrospective post. This is really just an image, but I love, I thought it was funny. It just reminds me, you know, these weird monsters that exist in D&D, like the Carbuncle. It's over at the old school FRP Tumblr, oldschoolfrp.tumblr.com. You know, the Carbuncle, it's like a, a little uh, armadillo with a, like a little jewel in its head with, uh, you know, a ruby, <laughs> you know, glowing and growing on its, on its forehead. Um, this is the kind of thing where like new modern players of the game look at it and they're like, what the heck did y'all play? <laughs> you know, what, what is this? Well, it's, it's the carbuncle, you know, it's the lovable little carbuncle. Um, I can't remember. I did a, when I used to do top three Tuesdays, I talked about top three creatures I had never used in a game, but, uh, I've since used a carbuncle actually, but that's another story. So check that out. And then, uh, is that all I got? No, I got one more retrospective post from the OSR Grimoire, Paleo Logos. I, you know, I love this blog so much. I might as well just put up every post they do, but it's osrgrimoire.blogspot.com. Looking back at Dave Arneson's Blackmore supplement and they're breaking down. Hopefully, I guess they'll probably do all the different sections, but they're talking about the men and magic section in particular, the, uh, the monk class and, uh, the assassins and, and, and stuff like that. I think this is a really underrated book. I have a lot of love for, for Blackmore. I've talked before about my love of monks. It's one of my favorite character classes. Even the crappy, squishy ones, I still like the monk quite a bit. I love the flavor. And also, you know, um, Temple of the Frog in there. So uh, Blackmore uh, doesn't get enough love, you know, gets hated on too much. So those are the reviews and retrospectives for this week. All right. I've got the Dice Tower out. I need to come up with a name for the Dice Tower. If anybody's got a good idea, um, let me know. That's sweet, clear acrylic, smooth faux wood panels. Um, anyway, I saw so many good random tables and, and stuff this week. It was tough to decide what to roll on, but I went with a, it's kind of a companion couple of posts one from dan over at the throne assault blog throne assault.blogspot.com and then matt halton over at i don't remember that move remember this move.blogspot.com caught on and did a you know a second version of it d20 magical precipitations so this is kind of referencing the things like when it's rained frogs you know or rained fish you know what i mean weird precipitation all right Let's see what we get. Magical precipitation. Uh, it's raining soup. Ow! That was a full carrot. <laughs> uh, um, the fertile fall. A gentle, sweet-smelling rain that makes plants grow violently vast and impossibly healthy. Makes animals and people both rather fruitful and in the mood for it. Always a baby boom nine months later. The fertile rain. Uh, it's raining soup. <laughs> I love that. All right. And the D20 more magical precipitations at I don't remember that move. Uh, it's a natty one. A rain of kittens. You would think this would lead to smushed meat everywhere, but luckily they always land on their feet. It's raining kittens. That would actually be kind of good. I love cats. How about a rain of olive oil? 
makes everything intensely slippery. Nobody can move on hard surfaces faster than a crawl. Every cook puts a jar out. We'll fry on metal roofs when the sun comes. So, anyway, some magical, weird precipitations. Ah, this reminds me of an idea I've got for a zine, but I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. But it involves, it's raining something, but I won't say what. Not a ton of free stuff this week. At least I didn't spot a lot on the blogs, but uh, what I did spot, I've got for you here. Over at Polyhedral Nonsense, they've got a tr uh, character sheet for Traveler Cepheus Engine uh, kind of spinoff Hostile. Just kind of like an Aliens type deal. And uh, so you can check that out if you're playing that. Uh, it would work for any Traveler game. I think people always say Traveler turns into Aliens anyway. <laughs> For a lot of people. They've also got another one made for the Traveler Cepheus spinoff Hot Zone. So you can check that out. Those are both at Polyhedral Nonsense. Over at the Dice Queen, whose writing comes up uh, with a final topic. I actually followed the final topic post and found the Dice Queen's blog. They've got, uh, it's a good looking blog too. They've got a post called Open SRDs where it's a collection of various system reference documents um, re you know, released under Creative Commons, allowing for creators to reference and create content for the items. So uh, this looks like a really good comprehensive list with some games uh, that you might not realize uh, had SRDs for them. So I've got this link up. I've, hey, open SRDs, that's free, right? I cannot forget what K Trey is doing at, over at the D4 Caltrips blog, blog.d4caltrips.com. They've got a bunch more PDFs. You know, they've been working through all of the old school essentials slash BX uh, monsters and doing encounter activity uh, random tables for them and putting them up in PDF. So just this week, they've done the Hydra, the Knoll, the Tree Ant, Giant Crab, Gargoyle, and Vampire. So you can download those all over at blog.d4caltrips.com. I don't know when K-Trey sleeps, but I'm appreciative. Over at D20 Pirates, they've got an article in a PDF, a compilation of deck plans, descriptions, and ship stats for use with Savage Worlds. So some sailing ships for Savage Worlds. That PDF is at d20pirates.blogspot.com. That's Nate Kristen's blog. Very prolific. Nate's doing a great job over there. And then finally at lithia.com, uh, for this site supports Harn and Harn World. Tons of downloads over here. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, I don't know how many people are using and playing Harn, but um, they're, they're all making stuff for it, you know. So that this site has just a endless amount of Harn resources. And there's a new um, download, Diseases. Disease was a prolific and constant concern in medieval life. Hey, it's getting that way in real life, or, you know, in modern day. Make your Harn game come alive with even more realistic and deadly uh, real-world diseases. So, I don't know. Play, I don't know if I want to use that one right now. Too timely. Too timely. But anyway, that's over at lithia.com. And be sure, if you enjoy Harn, uh, dig into the downloads over there. There's all kinds of cool stuff. Adventures, source material, maps, you know, locations, and all kinds of good stuff over there. 
some miscellaneous stuff and unfortunately talking a little bit more about uh you know the coronavirus and the spread you know a lot of large gatherings uh are have been canceled or are talk being talked about being canceled south by southwest being canceled and uh anyway with a lot of conventions coming up well first i've just got to look back at pax east 2020 a pax east 2020 roundup from seamus Connolly over at cannibal halfling gaming I always like to post uh when i see people you know talk about what they did at cons and everything i find it really interesting and uh, this is a great uh, recap post of uh what they did there but then uh you know you, you think about these i mean people already get con crud you know now it's coronavirus crud you know what i'm saying so uh gary con put out a statement i've got a link to about you know their steps they're taking to mitigate uh the risk of it spreading at gary con and i'm sure uh gen con and all this stuff you'll you'll see a lot more of this and who knows who knows what will happen you know if you had a major outbreak uh in, in some of these areas um i mean i wouldn't go you, you wouldn't catch me there um it ain't worth it to me um but we'll, we'll see what happens um it's just kind of the new reality and it's only really starting to pop off here in the united states i anticipate it uh it getting uh, significantly worse before it gets any better so anyway <clears throat> it's uh starting to kind of cross over into the gaming i'm sure a lot of manufacturing and stuff that's done in china and everything is, is going to already affect uh some things probably prices and and whatnot and and then now you got to worry about uh these large gatherings so hopefully everybody's uh, taking care care of themselves and um it's just horrible uh, reading about uh, the loss of life and some of these stories. It's just uh, scary and horrible. So anyway, over at Geek Native, geeknative.com, they've got a, an article about the new Dune game coming out from Modifius, you know, uh, with the, the new movies getting ready to come out. Uh, Inworld uh, voted this the most anticipated RPG of 2020. Uh, a lot of excitement and anticipation building for this. And this is an article talking about the different uh, writers and everybody that's going to be working on it. Um, people from uh, that worked on Infinity, Star Trek Adventures, Dungeon World, Doctor Who, Conan, um, Mutants of Masterminds, John Carter, or, you know, uh, you know, a lot of those are Modifius games. Uh, folks from RuneQuest, Seventh C, uh, Eclipse Phase. They've got an all-star kind of team uh, working on this thing. So Dune is likely going to be cool. I just love the old David Lynch, though. You know, give me a little sting as Fade Routha, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, I love that movie. I know a lot of people dog on it, but I love it. Kyle McLaughlin. Love it. Anything David Lynch. Oh, what else? Okay, so it was uh, uh, just uh, on last week, uh, March 4th, uh, when uh, back in 20... Uh, sorry, let me start that over. Froth mouth is not cooperating with the froth brain. You know how... Long-time listeners know how that works. Okay, so Gary Gygax passed away on March 4th, 2008. And uh, it's since been declared GM's Day, and there were numerous posts uh, in, in uh, remembrance of Gygax. I just picked out a couple. 
One was over at Dungeon Master Magazine, magazine dmmagazine.blogspot.com, because it's got this amazing mini, this amazing miniature of Gygax uh, holding the DM's guide, you know, Hawaiian shirt. This thing's fantastic. Check out that image. And then over at Sage Advice, sageadvice.eu, um, they put up some posts that uh, um, uh, both from the Gary Khan Gaming Convention Facebook site, as well as from Gary's son, Luke Gygax, putting up some photos from Ernie Gygax, um, showing some photographs and everything in remembrance of, of Gary Gygax. And, you know, I, I, I really do love Gygax, even when, when I disagreed with maybe how he'd treat uh, third-party publishers or when he was obviously, you know, in his you know, at his feistiest and, uh, and kind of least open-minded, um, you know, I have a lot of sympathy and who knows what you'd be like in that situation going from what, you know, working on shoes in your basement to all of a sudden being multimillionaire with games. And it was, uh, I have just such great memories of the books, you know, from when I'm little and, and, uh, I've told a story before, but we would have, there was only one set of books of the AD and D books. So, you know, some, everyone would want to take one home at night and, you know, you, you wouldn't always get like the PHB. So like, I remember getting stuck with like the manual of the planes and taking it home and, you know, trying to read it and understand it. It was just like completely over my head. I thought Gygax was just some com complete weird, you know, genius or something, you know, I didn't you know, know anything about, uh, really know anything about the creators or anything. It's just, you know, your, your mind is filling in the blanks for you. And I'm just reading this manual, of the planes thinking, what the hell is this? Who the hell is this guy? You know? <laughs> so, and, um, uh, you know, I know that, uh, that he mellowed after, you know, leaving TSR, TSR and, uh, I just have such a fondness of his writing, even games that, that aren't well-received like Cyborg Commando or Dangerous Journeys. There's still just so much creativity in Dangerous Journeys. It's just every page, it's the same as a DMG. Every page has got some weird, awesome idea. And, um, just a, there's, you know, there'll never be another, just a unique, a unique voice, you know, a unique, uh, way of you know taking way too long kind of like frost taking way too long to explain something <laughs> but it's the, the, the his word choice and um i just you know just a huge fan the dmg will always be 1e dmg will always to me be the creme de la creme the best that an rpg book can get as far as sheer creativity goes so anyway um uh some good stuff looking back, looking back on, on, on Gary. And then finally on the miscellaneous stuff, you know, I put up some, some cool minis last week, you know, like Watership Down and like the bunny rabbit from, from uh, Monty Python and Holy Grail. Well, I've, I saw another great mini. This is a uh, Joe five MC over at the Renaissance troll, the Renaissance troll.blogspot.com. They've got a post up called it's not easy being green. And it's got Kermit with a chainsaw. So, it says, in general, I dislike when people take childhood characters and put them in adult settings. Um, 
So on the surface, a miniature of Kermit the Frog wielding a chainsaw should have no appeal. But, while I'm sure this miniature was made with dark comedy horror gaming in mind, that's not how I see it. You see, I love the Muppets. I always have. I think Jim Henson was a genius. I love Kermit. But as you know, the frog could lose his cool. In fact, he just sometimes completely flipped. So uh, they're envisioning him, you know, Kermit the Frog flapping and flopping and flailing their arms around, shouting, ah, with the chainsaw held high. So <laughs> anyway, take a look at this mini. <laughs> Your players know they're in trouble when you pull out the Kermit with a chainsaw mini. Let's give Forey a chance. That's all we're saying. All we are saying is give Forey a chance. That's all we're saying. So, yeah, for the final topic, this is from over at Gnome Stew. And it was the Dice Queen posting this one System Splicing, DD 4th Edition. I'm calling this one, all we are saying is give 4E a chance. <laughs> so I've made no secret that I like 4E, uh, hacked the crap out of it, of course, but liked 4E. That's how I started my blog, actually, being a 4E house ruling blog. And this is a great post over there talking about, well, first it goes into stuff I've talked about before. Uh, it says 4E honestly had a lot of solid ideas to it, such as the alpha version of mechanics such as advantage and disadvantage, short, long rest. You'd be surprised to hear this, but 5E adopted a lot of its ideas and mechanics. I'm not surprised. And it said 4E had concerns with its brandings, calling abilities powers was unpopular, uh, calling things squares instead of feet, uh, and that kind of thing. But, you know, anybody that spent any serious amount of time with 4e you can see it you know all throughout 5e but anyway this is talking about little ideas from 5e i mean from 4e rather that can fit in with any kind of game and so minions is one that probably comes to mind you know the whole idea of something that just gets hit once and it's done and i know they've used this in other games i think i haven't played 13th age but i believe they call them like mooks in 13th 13th age but uh, also like in Savage Worlds, and I don't know if it's, you know, from 4E, but uh, I don't know exactly when the first edition of Savage Worlds came out. But, you know, they have uh, some creatures you'll fight called extras where they just take one wound and they're done, you know. Uh, and it's in a bunch of other games, but every game can benefit from that. Porting minions into 5E is a great idea because you can throw a lot more enemies at, at players one hit and they're done. I do it in, in my 1E game all the time because what's really the point in tracking, you know, two or three hit points for a goblin, you know? Uh, for almost every character and every player in, in my game, they're ostensibly minions anyway, you know what I mean? So, uh, but you can even do it at higher levels, you know? Maybe they're fighting some demon lord and you want them to have all these little you know, uh, demonic little essences of themselves or whatever. And all they need to do is just get hit once to die, but it raises the danger, but, and it, and it gives a good feeling to the to players to feel like they're mowing a bunch of things down. It always feels good. So 
Also talking about short rests, you know, which is another thing. And I know this will sound like heresy to a lot of people, but I'm thinking about porting um, the 5e kind of twist on short rests into my classic game, um, allowing maybe not even for short rest, but maybe overnight healing instead. I usually just do a hit point plus con mod, uh, but maybe, you know, allow them to use uh, their hit dice number as uh as overnight healing something like that because the reality is at least in my D D game you know they're they're like 40 miles underground at some of these points and you know it ain't like you can just go back to town so uh you, you do want the game to keep flowing and i don't think it's game breaking but anyway it talks about short rest talks about uh, the bloodied condition now if you don't know what this is in fourth edition if a monster uh, you know reached half its hit points it was considered bloodied and a lot of times that would trigger special abilities and things like that sometimes when something got bloodied it got uh, you know meaner you know fought harder so it could do more damage other times something would get bloodied and it would just trigger something like uh, an effect like uh, you know once they got bloodied you know everybody in their aura took automatic damage or or, um, you know, these kind of things, and which is something fun to play around with. Uh, as they mention, as the Dice Queen mentions here, they say one of the biggest arguments people have against 4E is that it was heavily gamified. Sure, but uh, uh, they say, personally, they find the bloody condition is perfect not only for narratively describing when an enemy is heavily wounded, but also mechanically delivering on that paradigm shift. Uh, outside a few key exceptions, a creature just doesn't act the same when it's dying compared to when it isn't. So it encourages, they say it encourages combat phases where the enemy, often a boss-like figure, changes status or tactics in a fight. So, you know, you can picture like a vampire being wounded and, and lashing out in a different way, you know. Anyway, the bloodied condition, something you can play with, not just in D and other D&D editions, but, uh, but in other games. Uh, one thing it doesn't mention that I was never a fan of, but I still see people all the time talk about how much they love skill challenges. Uh, requiring a certain number of successes over failures to accomplish things. And now in D&D, I do prefer, I much prefer to, and this is kind of an old school thing, to reward player creativity and maybe not require a check for everything and maybe certainly not require some kind of mechanical you need five checks before three failures to get through you know to sneak past the guards or whatever you know it's 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 much more it feels much more natural in D D for me to to take that away and have it be kind of this player skill thing and creativity and all that but in other games um skill challenges sort of things skill challenges did i say that I said it, skill challenge-ish sorts of mechanics work out. Like, uh, um, there, there's one in Savage Worlds, uh, they call them interludes. And, and they work well in that because uh, that's a game that maybe it doesn't feel quite the same to just let players automatically succeed on, on stuff based on the creativity. It, and it also heightens the chance of something bad happen. Uh, and I think part of that is the target numbers are relatively easy to hit in Savage Worlds, for example. So it, 
would take the, you know, kind of, there wouldn't be much drama and, and there's re-rolls and everything. So there wouldn't be much drama involved in just letting it be a flat check to accomplish something. Have it for really difficult things or really dramatic things requiring multiple successes makes sense and feels actually pretty good in a game like that. So uh, while I was not a fan of skill challenges in 4E at all, I mean, I immediately house ruled them out. Um, that's something that appealed to a lot of people and you can see whether they're influenced by 4E or not. You can see that those sort of mechanics in other games. Um, so anyway, I thought this was an interesting read, you know, it's still kind of, uh, you know, you're still kind of a pariah if you, if you say you like 4E or there's still a lot of people that have a lot of strange animosity towards it. Uh, rather than just not playing it or, you know, and moving on, uh, it gets, you know, it gets attacked a lot, but there were, uh, there were obvious high points and cool design ideas, um, that made their way, you know, throughout 5e, which is the most popular edition, you know, since the early days. And there are a lot of little interesting tidbits and in the nooks and crannies that, uh, um, that might be worth looking at using not only in your D and D game, but, but porting into other games. So anyway, a really good article, very interesting article. Uh, and that's over at the gnome stew blog, gnomestew.com. All right. Well, another hump day has come and gone. That is the show for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. I was a little kind of harried and frantic trying to put this together. I had a lot of other stuff going on today, but I made it. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed listening. Now, look, if you haven't gone back and listened to Sunday Zine Club from last week, I had Evelyn Moreau on the show. Great conversation. One of my favorite artists, creators in RPGs. So if you missed that, have not checked it out, Evelyn Moreau interview last week's Sunday Zine Club. Be sure and check that out. If you want to be a part of the show, I appreciate folks for calling in, checking in. If you've got any comments on any of the topics we talked about and want to be on the show, it is, uh, you can use the Anchor app or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash thought eater and click the message button there and leave me a message. I'm so appreciative of the folks back me on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thought eater. It's only a dollar a month. Chuck a dollar in the tip jar. Do it. Give me a dollar. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Do it if you want to. I'm thankful for the people doing it. Um, you can also email me, frothsof, frothsoft at gmail.com. Remember, all these links are up over the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. You know what time it is? Logan. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade Gonna help you escape from the grind Thought eater gonna blow your mind